0: I'm Lindsay Curtis, and this is Her Return, a podcast devoted to women making the journey of returning home to their divinely human, feminine essence. Each episode is an opening up of a real-life topic with experiential techniques and tools to support you on your journey home. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I am thrilled to introduce you to my friend, Kate, today. Kate Christensen is an amazing, beautiful woman who, since 2016, has been on a deep and messy journey of feminine awakening and reclamation. Her journey was catalyzed by her entry into motherhood, where she experienced postnatal depletion and depression, and came face-to-face with a lifetime of suppressed emotions and codependent patterns. Female embodiment and aware parenting have been the tools she used to reconnect with her body, emotions, and authentic self, and move beyond perfectionism. Kate now calls her body of work the art of mothering, and focuses on helping mothers to mother themselves and to recognize that their well-being is the greatest contribution and gift they can offer both our families and the human collective. Hello, beautiful Kate. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to be sitting with you today.
1: Mm, thank you, Lindsay. I've loved listening to the podcast. So I'm really excited to be to be on here and having this conversation with you. <laughs> Heart sparkles. <laughs> I always
0: get so excited when people I love also get to listen and 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 receive the podcast. It makes me feel so, so special.
1: (laughs) It's a great podcast. Yeah, I I love it.
0: Awesome. Well, Kate, you and I have connected uh, through community with
1: Devashi, who
0: is a mutual mentor of ours and is on episode number two for those dear listeners that haven't heard our conversation. And I have just always been captivated, Kate, by your sharing and your vulnerability and your honesty about your journey of mothering. Mm. So we've connected a a couple of years ago now on these points. And so that is totally why I invited you onto the podcast, because your presentation of the art of mothering is so beautiful, so heart-centered and just the medicine that so many of us need here today so thanks for being here and thanks for your magic in the world.
1: Mm, Thank you. Um, Yeah I mean I just like to share my journey and I think a big part of my motivation is because I know I'm not the only one experiencing those challenges.
0: Mm -hmm. yes and so before we really go into what it is that you are exposing and and um so relatably telling the world today tell us about little Kate tell us about your humble beginnings in this earthly walk and Mm -hmm. how that has actually created uh, this body of work that you are currently unfurling
1: Uh, yeah that that's a a great starting point and yeah, I mean, it really does all root back to that um, as it does for everybody so often. So, um, yeah, I mean, the thing about entering into motherhood is that it was, it was a real expose on my own childhood. I hadn't really explored that, um, yeah, that time in my life. And that was because I really had this perception that I'd had a really beautiful childhood and, um, You know, I was very loved, very middle class. I was sent to private school, um, you know, very, very provided for, very loving parents. And so that meant that, yeah, I didn't really understand those more subtle layers of trauma that I was carrying, um, which really ultimately come from I was very loved, but there was a lack of attunement and yeah, just being part of, you know, the culture that we're part of and being on the earth at this time. Um, and what I understand now is just how misunderstood, you know, children have been for so long. And so, yeah, we're just, um, yeah, we tend to just carry all these hurts and wounds and uh, patterns into adulthood that tend to take us away from that, you know, that authentic self. Um so, yeah, me as a child, I, you know, I loved being in my body. Like I was a gymnast for 10 years. That really was my world. Um, you know, even when I wasn't at the gym hall, I was taking cushions off the couch at home and, like, practising my tumbles and making routines. And, and yeah, that that's really what I loved. And uh, the interesting part of that was when I Quit gym. It was actually when I had my first my first bleed, Um, and yeah, I went to training and I was wearing a pad, and the girls that I was training with actually laughed at me. Um, So it was a very, you know, I guess I I really understand that in that moment. um, I I think that's when I really lost myself, and it also meant that I really uh, felt a lot of shame around my womanhood and my femininity. and, yeah, you know, there just wasn't that holding in my family and, you know, those uh, female role, role models around me to to guide me differently. So that's sort of what I've had to, that's the stuff that I've been unpacking now in motherhood is, yeah, really coming back to to my, my feminine self.
0: So potent. And... I love the way that you had put that, that there was, um, you you know, coming from such a loving environment and loving parents, the the layers of trauma that we all experience here as humans on this planet of earth right now, uh, weren't perceptible because they weren't like the big kind of, you know, in the trauma world, I would say like a big T or a little T, right? They weren't like these exposing things, but the subtle layers and how they can really affect and they do shape us incredibly, incredibly, incredibly. Mm. Oh, and this disconnect from the feminine oh, and the first bleed, the first bleed is like the initiation into womanhood. Right. Yeah. And so you, you lost that, um, that big activity then gymnastics, if you quit, that was like your big physical activity of expression and of movement.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And your body can, and how long did it take you to get something back?
1: It was really, I feel like, so at that moment in time where I lost Jim, it's like from that point on, that was at the start of high school. So my first year of high school. And it's like from that mm-hmm. point on, life became about fitting in and mm-hmm. you know, belonging in my social um, circle, you know, being in the, the popular crowd and and it was just basically chasing popularity from that point on. So yeah, there was no anchoring inside. It was all just about, yeah, what was popular. Um, mm-hmm. And it really took until my maybe mid-late 20s when I, you know, I quit my, my city job and just had to get out of the city and sort of planned this trip uh, with my partner. And, yeah, it was like this six-month travelling adventure. And when I went, you know, when we planned that, my focus was sort of like, I'm going to find what my career is meant to be. Like I knew I was looking for something, but the only framework I had was really around like work because that was, was was modeled to me was that your identity comes through your work. And so, yeah, Yeah. this trip was about finding, well, what's my thing? What's my purpose? What's my, my dream career? Because up until that point, you know, I, I sort of followed the corporate thing. I'd done hospitality, but nothing felt true or like my thing <laughs> um and on that trip I um we landed in Mexico and there was this five week yoga uh, immersion and yeah just something called me to do it and 10 days into that I just felt this huge huge shift and this awakening yeah it was a spiritual awakening into all these these deeper aspects of life that had just been missing like totally absent for me um so yeah, that was sort of my first, that was, I, I, I see that now this was, it was like a spiritual awakening, but I was still very cut off from those feminine ways of practicing spirituality. And yes. I realized too, that I was using my spiritual practice to still kind of control myself. And at that point too, mm-hmm. it also became about sharing it uh, rather than, you know, fully receiving it for myself. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, it took a long time. journey of awakening, right?
0: Because it happens in layers. If we were to be smacked in the face with it all at once, I don't think we could handle it.
1: Definitely not. No, I mean, I guess it was just mm. a moment of like, you know, sort of reconnecting to um yeah, that there is this spiritual world. Like I was just completely caught in a material way of being, uh, where that was my only reality. And then Yeah, it was just this sense of like, wow, okay, there's something much bigger holding us. And it was such a relief. It was such a relief to to feel that again. Mm. Yes. And it's so
0: true because so many of us with the frame that's been on the planet, I mean, a lot of us that maybe don't have um, a spiritual upbringing, We'll first go down a masculine kind of way mm. before being initiated into deeper uh, feminine spirituality and the spirituality that just exists through our female bodies and our bleeding, as before mentioned. Yeah. Mm. So then you'd say then it was really the birth of, was it during pregnancy, or how did you really become initiated into the feminine realms
1: then? Um, it's really interesting because I remember watching, it was actually from Davishu, she had an interview with another woman about an ecstatic birth that this woman had had and I remember watching that and I didn't know I was pregnant but I, I would have conceived like literally a week or two before that. Um, and so, yeah, I really feel that it was that pregnancy. It just like it started bringing in that new frequency straight away um Mm -hmm. so when I was pregnant I always knew I wanted to have a home birth and I think that was you know my yoga practice and that connection to my body that I had this sense of trust and I wanted a natural birth I wanted to have Ari at home I didn't know it was Ari then but um, I wanted to have my baby at home um Mm -hmm. and but that was sort of all I could see was just birth I had not thought about anything really beyond that (laughs) um there was like this huge veil as I think there is for a lot of women um for that time of birth you know as a first-time mom I really couldn't see beyond that and um yeah so I I did get to have my natural home birth it was a very fast birth which um yeah I think so it wasn't a gentle (laughs) it definitely wasn't a um I feel like when I reflect on my birth, I feel like it was like it, it just like cleared out everything that wasn't aligned and there was just so much that wasn't aligned and that, yeah, it's like I sort of fell off a cliff (laughs) after that moment of birth. And it's like, I just had, you know, and I, and I guess in some ways I'm still putting the pieces back together, but you know, there's a lot more wholeness there now, five years from that moment. Um, Mm. But yeah, it was a very confusing time and and it was—I just remember when Ari was little, and I was like listening to podcasts on like the feminine, the feminine ways of doing things, and the pleasure path. And it was like, yeah, like I, you know, it all feels so familiar now. But um, at the time, it was this sense of like, it, it just felt so new, um, and and yet so beautiful. Like it was like, oh, this is what's been missing. <laughs> um, yeah.
0: Mm. birth is so incredible because it's literally the greatest initiation we can have as women Mm -hmm. the greatest movement of our primal energy that we can ever have as women it's the greatest Mm -hmm. movement and activation our wombs (laughs) will ever experience (laughs) as women and um yeah it's always perfect like wherever the intensity is whatever however long it takes us to integrate it it's always so so incredibly perfect and in setting us up for whatever it is we are actually here to be living yeah and i just yeah i feel really called to preface that again and again because Whatever the intensity is, I loved how you put it. It was like being everything just washing out and and coming off of the cliff, right? <laughs> Which, yeah. <laughs> yeah, That's that's an intense initiation, and that's going to take some time to really integrate and and to get the wisdom from, right? Mm-hmm. All the little little um, parts and bits.
1: Yeah, yeah, and like but, you said, with the primal energy, you know, like that was just something I was so disconnected from, and when I reflect back on how I was picturing my birth was going to go. Like the videos I'd watched, it was all like these silent births. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, the hypnobirthing and the very calm births where, like often. So the imagery I had was of women who were basically silent during birth. And, you know, I, I look back and as someone who teaches a yoga practice with sounding, um, (laughs) I recognize now that that was my initiation into sound and it was like this moment yeah. where like the sound I made like I never knew there was that much power inside me I could never have dreamed that I would be able to access that type of sound and it totally oh. rearranged me um yeah and you know these days I work with sound on a daily basis like it's something I'm very connected to and I and I and I have a context for what happened in that moment <laughs> Um, but yeah you know before that you know that connection to my animal body and my primal nature as a woman was just not there <laughs> yeah
0: mm. oh the potency of birth and sound <laughs> yeah it makes
1: me so excited <laughs> yes <laughs> how is your That's sound so in birth can I can I ask yeah, what was your question? Uh how is your sound in birth? My sound. Yeah, so it's it's great that you ask, and I'm I'm currently still
0: preparing to share my my birthing, well to tell my birthing story mm-hmm. on the podcast. Okay. It's, it's still like being formulated, but I would say sound like the sounds in birth, it's interesting because um well. When you say birth was quick for you, what does that mean? How many hours of, of birth? Because I always find that interesting. Well, good
1: question. Like, um, So I woke up at 3 in the morning, um, yeah. yeah, feeling contractions, and Ari was born by 5.40. So it was 2 hours and 40. In the morning? Yeah, it was 2 hours and 40 minutes from my first contraction to him being born on the bathroom floor. Holy moly. <laughs> Anything prior to that three AM? No, no. Whoa! Okay, that's like incredible. I know, but you know is that like because oh, that made whoa. that disconnect to those deeper sensations? Like I wasn't so yeah. in contact. Okay. okay, potentially, like I. But yeah, yeah, like as I remember it, you know, I went to bed. Like I was five days from my due date. Like you know, I'm sure you're the same as me. I don't really like that idea of a due date, but um. I yeah at that at that point yeah I was five days away from 40 weeks um yeah, yeah I went to bed and then woke up and then you know the sun rose next morning <laughs> and our son was with us so oh
0: my God. <laughs> wow that's really incredible yeah. and
1: um and our wow, midwife didn't make awesome. it our midwife didn't make it because it was so fast <laughs> so it was just me yeah. and my partner so kind of an unintentional yeah. free birth <laughs> Yeah. Wow,
0: that
1: must have been so intense. Yeah, it was. But you know, well, like, oh sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say, but you know, there's no there's no thought in it. It was just wow. it was just the intensity. And then I just remember I felt, you know, I could feel his head, you know, I could feel the baby's head. And then I think it was one or two pushes and then he was just out. <laughs>
0: Incredible. Yeah. Wow. Well, I would say for me and
1: in my birth,
0: it, um, I am, I am very connected to my sensations and I have been prior to birthing and Mm -hmm. for, for years. So there's this, this, um, connection that was kind of already built in. So I felt the, uh, the movement start like, um, let's see, I have to really think and turn my brain on now, (laughs) but, um, I was like, Wednesday night I could feel the movements begin at like 11 and it was super soft but I couldn't really sleep yeah and uh, because I was so excited and and just curious right and then on Thursday it kind of stopped during the day and then Thursday night around like uh, around like six it started uh, becoming a little bit strong and then we stopped again and so throughout this whole thing, like I was sounding, and I was uh, really in this kind of connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at one point during the during the process, I think I was kind of sounding too much. Like I was becoming a little bit too um, almost identified with the sensations. Yeah. Um, if I if I can say that, I would think. And then, yeah, during like really the strong aspects of birthing <laughs> it's just so amazing because there's such a portal that opens and it's just so complete full presence and there's no thought absolutely had no thought but it was just yeah this rawness yeah. coming through me yeah and then the next day I remember being like uh, my my partner brought chocolates to our neighbors and um <laughs> I was like, sorry if we woke up because my son was born at 7 a.m. And I would say between like five and and seven it was it was really intense. Yeah. And and they were like, oh we didn't hear, I just heard like the final scream. And I was like,
1: oh that's good.
0: So even the people around us like don't really aren't really affected by mm-hmm. it well also my neighbors were really conscious and I had a beautiful woman that lived above me that gave me a um, massage all through my pregnancy she was a massage uh, therapist and so I had pregnancy massages with her all the time so
1: mm.
0: had a special circumstance for anyone who's who's birthing at home in an apartment in the city, I recommend you befriend your neighbours. That way it's not any thought in your mind and it's just you're, you can be in total ease.
1: <laughs> wow. See, because I was actually living on a rural property in a cottage, so there mm-hmm. were no neighbours. So I didn't have much mm-hmm. to worry about so much. But, um, yeah, I'm really feeling into that complexity, like in your circumstances and, and for yeah. others. Yeah. Um, yeah
0: yeah it's a real thing and and something i i imagine and and i've heard women can hold back on yeah same with a with our embodiment practices i sound all the time i scream all the time (laughs) and um yeah accessing that freedom within us does require a certain space that we're holding inside right Mm -hmm. independent of the environment that we're in yes and it can be eased by communicating with others (laughs) and letting them know, like, this is part of my practice. Don't worry. No one's dying.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's that permission piece, isn't it? I feel, yeah. Like the level of permission that we can give ourselves in our practice. And that's what sort of extends into our life as well. Like, you know, the space that you take up on your mat, (laughs) um, yeah it really um it, it extends out it, it changes you it rearranges you
0: yes and just taking a moment to say whoever you are you have permission <laughs> you have permission yeah we give you permission if you need someone to give it even though no one can possibly give it except yourself <laughs> you have permission
1: mm-hmm
0: all right so that that's that's an intense birthing experience then and so then what happened after birth like where did you go to resource yourself
1: um so after birth yeah as i just said i was i was living um regional and we're living mm-hmm. actually you know 10 minutes out of town on a rural property so i was so isolated and and i also you know I was in a sort of mode of just like toxic self-sufficiency, like no capacity to ask for help, Um, you know, and yeah, I guess my partner was a bit the same in the sense that, you know, up until that point we'd been travelling together, we'd just done everything together. So I guess we just thought that we'd do parenthood together. Like, you know, we'd handled everything Mm -hmm. else and so we thought we'd just handle this. Um, And, yeah, I mean... Like, I, I look back and I, I really feel, oh, when was it? It would have been a, about a year postpartum or maybe 18 months. I remember reading an article, um, a woman describing postnatal psychosis, and I remember reading it and it really affected me because when I read it, I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, I was really on the edge. Like, somehow mm-hmm. I think I, yeah, like <laughs> I must have some sort of inner strength because I managed to kind of hold it together just enough. But I I really was that, like, um, depleted and just so dysregulated. Um, Mm. You know, I had a lot of trouble breastfeeding. Um, My son didn't sleep well at all. Um, and I just remember being, you know, I, I had no idea of the, the needs of babies then. Like, I'm very clear on all of that now. But at the time, I was like, you know, he wanted to be on me all the time. And I was like, is this, you know, I guess I had this image of like, you know, a baby that you just put down in their little crib and they sleep. And I don't know, you do your stuff. <laughs> 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 it's like, I, I had no exposure to early motherhood. Like, all my friends who started having babies were back in the city um, yeah. yeah, I just had no exposure to it. And, and I realised too, I, I almost had kind of an, an aversion to babies, uh, which is interesting, yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a, a story I can put on that. But um, yeah, so it was, it was all just a huge shock. Um, and oh. I was very underprepared. Um, yeah, I had no support. Uh, externally and just like internally, you know, I was just very disembodied at that point. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I um I decided to do a training um like sacred female yoga training because I felt this sense of like. I felt so disappointed with my yoga practices and my meditation practices, because I guess I thought that they were going to support me. Like, I guess that I thought that they were a fix all for everything. And so, yeah, I've got yoga, I've got meditation, like that will carry me through motherhood. And to find myself in this place of like, just total wreckage was like, what's happened here? Like, what have I been missing? And Um, so that's, yeah. Then when I went to, to do this sacred female yoga training, which was, um, I guess it was about the qualification, but it was also, it was more so about just getting some answers for like, what has gone wrong here? (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah, what, um, yeah, what's happened? Like, why, why did these spiritual practices that I thought were really supporting me pre motherhood? Why didn't they support me as a mother? Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's been what I've sort of continued to unravel. Mm, a lot here. And I feel just to highlight
0: this um the lack of exposure to mm-hmm. babies and to early motherhood. Yeah. And how as a culture, I mean, and every woman can do it her own way, you know, and however she is choosing with her baby Mm -hmm. and some women go back to work with just a few weeks after birth and some women take a lot of time and some women are gonna be um, at home mothering a lot longer than others but we don't really get to see it so much Mm -hmm. it's true because we no longer live in tribal spaces where it's just there and open and we have no cultural understanding about how much a baby needs contact and how much, uh, what attachment it even is about. Mm-hmm. And of course we're coming, uh, from generations, the generations just before us where the cry it out generation, where you leave the baby alone in a room and let it cry. Yeah. Right. So yeah. The, the amount of trauma that our, our, is in ourselves because it's in our hereditary uh, genes and in the ancestral fields, as well as perhaps in our own experiences. I have lots of memories and I, I've been clearing and, um, reparenting myself, which I talk about in episode number
1: 39 Yeah, for the last like
0: decade of my life. And I have so many, um, memories come up through my body and through my dream field of being alone crying and and not being comforted and just at all wanting to be be held that's it that was my only need right Mm -hmm. I needed a lot of touch as a baby that I didn't receive yeah but we don't yeah we don't see it and we don't hear about it that much and we don't understand that these are just it's natural. You're coming from a space where you're in contact with the waters of life and you feel this heartbeat around you. And then you come into this world and suddenly you're separate and it's, yes. <laughs> it's an incredible thing to incarnate here.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: And, and yes. then of course the complexity of a mother is that we're a father, but looking down at our, our child newborn and older, we're seeing our own inner child's reflection as well. And so whatever unmet needs are there, we're actually also facing them moment to moment. And that's why it's the most difficult at least in my experience and what I see with clients again and again, it's that subconscious. And again, a lot of this is subconscious. We don't look at our child and actually see our own little things, <laughs> <laughs> but on the inside, that's the experience that we're having.
1: Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And, And actually
0: some of us might see our little face. Like I had so many times in in breastfeeding. I just talked about this the other day with a client where I would be breastfeeding my son and I would actually see in my dreaming field that I was breastfeeding myself because I was never breastfed as a baby. And there was just this like instinctual thing happening, rewiring inside of me at the same time. Wow. So (laughs) depending on, on our openness, we might be perceiving it. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm yes yes and yeah really these days like it's i do connect a lot with that idea that in many moments in my day it's like i'm needing to hold that child inside as i'm holding ari and um yeah tending to him it's like it's me and ari but there is this sort of other third child in the space which is which is my child um And it it helps me have a lot of self-compassion for myself in in terms of that complexity that that is mothering in a conscious way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that.
0: Yeah, and I really feel the more we're able to hold that space for the other one that is also here within us and around us, it does become a lot more graceful.
1: Yeah. And Mm I'll say too, like I think a, a major stress point for me in those early months and you know even the first couple of years with Ari was he cried so much (laughs) and Mm -hmm. it felt like I felt like such a failure because I did everything I could to like soothe his crying and stop his crying and it's only been in um, you know the last few years as I've deepened into aware parenting which is a, a modality that I'm really connected to and that has given me a lot of support in my mothering where mm-hmm. what they describe is that babies don't just cry um, for needs. So sometimes, um, yeah, that crying is, an, is an, an emotional release because babies have feelings mm-hmm. and that's something that has been just not understood <laughs> for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, and because, you know, I didn't have a capacity to listen to my own tears and listen to my own feelings. So I've had to learn that as I've gone in order to, to offer that to Ari. And that that is why I was so sort of stressed because of just the big feelings that it was bringing up in me to hear my son cry so much um, and the stories that I had around that. Mm. Yes, mm. yes,
0: yes, yes. And this capacity <clears throat> and the deepening in of intimacy for how we're able to be with The paradox of the discomfort and knowing that it's so important that the child's able to express yeah um i see this often with uh with people and and children and sensing into it the energy is like it's like a gripping like a tightening a, a grasping to like make it stop
1: make it stop <laughs> yes
0: yeah. uh, whenever we're in public or we're around other people and my son is expressing and it's just like I try to hold this like sphere of of um of spaciousness around him and i often have to tell someone or uh that people dish <laughs> i can't i can't explain how many times i've brought my finger to my mouth and told someone else to be quiet so that he could just express yeah and how how counterculture it is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and so it's absolutely revolutionary um, to, to give this space and to be able to continue to sit with our own discomfort and mother ourselves on the inside out while giving this space to the emotional expression.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And I know that recently you've been going on a journey of getting even more comfortable with a certain emotion <laughs> now that Ari is actually much older, right? Mm-hmm. So want to tell us about what's happening lately.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I've, I'm quite at ease now with the tears. Um, Mm -hmm. I find those very easy to support. Um, yeah, I've made a lot of peace with that in myself too. Um, because, you know, I know like when he gets to have that good cry, when I can support that and for myself as well, like you feel so good after a good cry, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like a clearing, like tears have stress hormones in them. Like it's like a physiological stress release mechanism. Um, and that's what you know, yeah, when when that's understood, it really supports us to see that there's there's just a buildup of stress in our systems. Um, but, yeah, the, the other, you know, so Aware Parenting talks about tears and tantrums as this way that children naturally release stress. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, making peace with the tantrums when Ari was sort of two and three and four was another big part of my journey and, yeah, I was saying to you that I feel like I'm just at this next level now where Ari's just over five and uh-huh. his anger and, you know, his sort of um, tantrums, I guess, like I don't really call them tantrums so much, but they are, but it's more like this aggression and this anger that comes up for him at times has just got so much bigger, <laughs> um, you know, kind of destructive at times and, you um, yeah, it's very confronting and it's really brought up a lot of my own suppressed anger. Um, so, you know, I made sort of peace with the tears. But, yeah, the anger is something that is still like a work in progress. Um, mm-hmm. And I realised recently that I, um, I, have, I had this pattern playing out, which um, was if I sort of lost my cool as a parent, if I expressed anger, I would then go into this huge, like, guilt-shame spiral. Yeah. And I realised that that was because if I got angry as a child, I would mm-hmm. be shamed. or shamed. And so, yeah, that's mm-hmm. just been such a big thing to mm-hmm. get comfortable with expressing my anger in healthy ways. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, when it comes out in ways that maybe aren't ideal, to... Let go of the guilt and let go of the oh. shame. And what I've actually noticed is that when I let go of the guilt, when I don't let that come in, it, it allows the energy field between me and Ari to actually be quite clear, whereas, you know, yeah. all the time if I used to have an angry outburst I would, and go into that guilt... And I'd go into this sort of worry of, like, oh, my God, I'm damaging him, I'm hurting him, I'm, you know, I've failed, like he's going to have all these wounds, like all those sort of stories about, you know, which was all just coming from my own unprocessed shame. Um, Mm -hmm. It actually created this sort of, yeah, it's sort of like a distortion in the field and he'd then be responding to that rather than the anger. Whereas now if I just have this comfort around, like, you know, my own expression and I sort of let it sort of, I I just let myself like move through those different energies and and emotions without feeling bad about it. Ari can also Uh let it go. It's like my primal body is signaling to his primal body that these expressions are safe. Um, Yeah. And, Uh yeah, because, yeah, it was Davis that really helped me to see that, that, you know, she's like, if you go into guilt after you've been angry, that's what you're teaching him. Because we're always teaching from what we're embodying, not what we're saying. Um, yeah. So totally. So, so yeah, that's been sort of the the big piece that I'm unraveling lately. Ah,
0: oh, I love it, and I see the image of like um, the the mama lion that will uh, bite back at, her, at yes. her little cub that's like being a nuisance. Yeah. And, <laughs> I've had this image come a few times because there has been times where, um, my son is doing whatever he's doing and he's a year and a half now and and he's starting to like have tantrums Mm -hmm. and, and he'll be, you know, until I can't, until it's too much for me. And there have been times when I'll growl, Yes. like I'll have this like lioness growl and and we'll both stop (laughs) And then he'll start laughing. <laughs> and I'll start laughing. Or sometimes then he'll growl back.
1: <laughs> and I'll growl again. <laughs> but it, it
0: switches it up and it lets me embody it in a way that, like, you know, sometimes, yeah, sometimes I do yell stop or, or something, but it doesn't feel as fulfilling. Mm. As uh, as really letting like this other kind of energy move. So I try to embody it like an animal. <laughs> mm,
1: yes, that rawness of it, and and I mean when it's nonverbal like that, it's um yeah because there's no shaming or like blaming yeah. in that. It's just like yeah. your your raw expression, and that that big energy that's yeah. there in your body, like moving through. Um mm-hmm. yeah, and, I mean, that's what our children are just so connected to. Like they are so embodied and it's Definitely. like, you know, all these big tantrums and expressions like that are often called misbehaviour um, is because, yeah, as adults, you know, we've intellectualised and we we carry all our own wounds about how those expressions of ours were responded to when we were little. So our children are such teachers for yeah, how to let things move through.
0: (laughs) Mm,
1: Yes. And are you aware of human design? I've heard of it, but I haven't actually delved into it.
0: What I find really interesting, there's an episode on the podcast number um, 25, Mm -hmm. where it's a great introduction, but with human design, I find super interesting because there's different Energetic types and the biggest energetic type here among humanity is a generator or manifesting generator Mm -hmm. and their emotional um, expression is frustration.
1: Okay. Meaning that
0: this is the energy that comes up when it shows them the like an adjustment needs to be made on the path Mm -hmm. versus like, for example, I'm a projector and mine is bitterness or resentment. So if I'm feeling bitter, like there's something really misaligned.
1: Okay. And a generator
0: energy, it's here for mastery. Like it's, it's this energy that is here to master the experience. And when we're working on mastery, it's incredibly frustrating because we need to do something again and again and again, right. Until it's mastered. And so there's this huge, like, um, gift. And, and when I look at like the global and, and the collective, there's so much distortion around anger and the sacredness of anger and anger, how it shows us what we're most passionate about the things I get angry of, like in conversation or in daily life, it's the things that I am most passionate about that I see a distortion within and it pisses me off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, But we don't, we don't understand that because we just see like the great distortion where it's become super violent and, and we don't want to be like that. So we equate all anger with this kind of violent perversion, but it's not. And there's huge room for reclamation on that. So uh, I just wanted to bring in the human design piece because so many like um, because it's interesting in human design it gives you like percentages or whatever of of the energetics of this and it's like seventy percent of the population has this uh, blueprint. Um, so being able to get comfortable with anger at a young age and and like you're giving your son this freedom of expressing without the guilt attached without the resentment attached so you don't allow it to go into like any secondary emotions and it just can be that raw kind of experience it's only going to serve his greatest creativity it's only going to serve our greatest creativity as humanity if we can really be in that alignment with yeah just why it's here it's here to be felt and expressed and it It can be punched in a pillow and it doesn't need to have a block thrown out the window
1: and (laughs) we can move on. (laughs) Yeah, that's what we're working on in my house. (laughs) Um, And I just wanted to add to that as well, yeah, what's part of my process is, yeah, like anger is life force and also that there's Mm -hmm. um, degrees of anger. Um, So, you know, because I had this very suppressed fight energy, you know, which anger is one aspect of that, like I'd also lost um, access just to like basic assertiveness, which has really shown up with Ari in terms of him just doing little things and I just don't even, I just sort of tolerate it. Like it's not feeling good, but I just sort of tolerate it because I don't have this or I didn't have, you know, over these years have this ability to si- to mobilize my energy in like a, an assertive way because I'd mm. almost like like assertiveness felt like aggression or anger. And so, Mm. yeah, like that's really what I'm playing with is, like, often what I was calling anger was just assertiveness.
0: (laughs) Mm. Oh, I love that. I love that. I love that.
1: Mm. Yeah, and being
0: able to really discern the energy. Mm
1: -hmm. Incredible. Yeah. And it's a messy process too. Sorry. (laughs) I'll say that again. Um, You know, it's a messy process like it's trial and error <laughs> and it's like you know you're going to fuck it up and you're going to get it wrong as you sort of reclaim that as well or that's you know that's my journey and that's what I just want to give permission to to other mothers as well is that yeah it's um there is no perfect way to be a mother and yeah we're going to make mistakes and i think the biggest thing that has really dropped in for me is that there's always a capacity to repair you know, we can always oh, yes. make good what we get wrong. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, so rather than thinking that all these tools are there to sort of just sanitise everything and, like, you know, forge this perfect path where it's just, like, connected and calm and beautiful all the time, it's it's just not how life is. You know, you, mm-hmm. you're going to have these moments of disconnect with your children and you're going to have these moments where you behave in ways that you're not proud of. But... um mm-hmm you know it's just it's just a journey of learning and then it's it's how you repair and reconnect after those moments that that's what really makes the difference in terms of yeah you know our children not having to make it all about them and them their, and their system getting to let it go
0: i love this and give us a a practical example a little exercise to support mothers in um how do you do a repair
1: mm. Well, it's just about, you know, repairing with yourself first. <laughs> so, you know, like you need to clear it for yourself. So say you've had an angry outburst, you've, um, you've yelled, stormed off, whatever you've done. Um, and, you know, I guess that's where embodiment comes in to know, okay, I'm still feeling really activated in this moment. Um, and just waiting, waiting till that has sort of passed And learning to be in that discomfort, I guess, of, yeah, knowing things are disconnected, Um, but just trusting that, you know, with breathing, with just taking some time, having a glass of water to come back to yourself. Um, And then, yeah, when you feel centred in yourself again, you can reconnect with your child and um, offer an apology. Uh, You can ask them how that made them feel so that they get a voice, so that they get to express their feelings, um, and you know, if they're if they're young children, they might not have that capacity to, to verbalize. But uh, you can still engage like that. Still, at least express yourself. Um, and yeah, they might have other ways of showing you, um, yeah, where where it's at um, for them. So yeah, just re- just you know, being an adult in the sense of apologizing and acknowledging when you have. Um, made a mistake
0: yes and like you said before this is how we teach when we actually embody something so by this as an example so so incredible for laying the foundation for how the child or children are going to interact with their emotions as they grow Mm. so thank you for that example Kate beautiful
1: and it's also Mm. just that um, you know It's knowing that, yeah, they might have feelings to release from that event at a later time. So, Um, you know, it's just recognising that, yeah, maybe they did feel stressed when you yelled. And that might not come out right in that moment, but say, you know, a few hours later in the day, something really little happens and it sets them off into tears or a tantrum. Um, It's to know that actually it's not about that thing um it's just yeah they're carrying stress and and this is the moment where they say feel safe now to release it and that helps me Mm. as well um yeah like there's lots of moments where I can be present for that for Ari and I know that that's where I'm getting to rebalance those moments as well Mm. gorgeous Alrighty, beauty. We've touched upon a
0: lot of goodness today from birthing to emotional uh, expression and repair and the harmony and disharmony that comes with mothering <laughs> and what makes it actually truly an art. It's been super rich. Feeling into it right now, is there anything else that is within your womb or heart that wants to be said?
1: yeah I mean I think I think the biggest thing that has supported me and that supports me is that capacity for self-compassion and compassion Mm -hmm. for others because you know this human experience really is very messy and especially these times we're in I think there's just um, so much coming up to be healed and you know we are forging a new paradigm but yeah, like the the residue of um, you know so much trauma and pain in humanity is is sort of sitting in ourselves. <laughs> so it's just to really recognize this moment in time. Um, if you are a mother, and if you are a mother trying to parent in these like re- evolutionary ways, um, that it, it's just such a big task. So yeah, the the self compassion is I feel what rests, what it all rests on thank you yes
0: <laughs> and Kate where can uh, women connect with you where can we find you um tell us everything and I'll include links in the show notes
1: mm, thank you um yeah I, I share online on Instagram and Facebook on my um just my public profile I, I probably share more on Instagram um, mm-hmm. I do have a private Facebook group that women can join. Um, And then I I have an online self love studio. So, um, where I offer the practice of sacred female yoga. And I've designed that with busy mums or busy women in mind. So, there's practices as short as five minutes, up to 90 minutes. Um, And there's also like little lessons as well, I call them. So, like embodiment education. like things like, you know, aligning with our menstrual cycle and understanding how our menstrual cycle affects our emotions uh, in different Mm. weeks and how that impacts our mothering, I think that's a really useful tool to know. Um, Mm. And so that's um, hosted on Patreon. Uh, It's called Her Space Studio.
0: Mm. Beautiful. So I'll include links as we post the episode. And Kate, (laughs) Thank you so much for this conversation. It's been such an absolute pleasure.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Lindsay. Yeah, I've thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: Mm, I really love. We'll
1: connect again soon. Thank you, beautiful.
0: I'm Lindsay Curtis, and you've been listening to Her Return the Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, share it with another beautiful woman, mama or mama-to-be. And if you're ready to go deep into becoming your very own mature self mama, who fiercely follows her soul desires, then let's connect and see if Courting Desire, my nine-month journey, is for you. We begin in October. Until we meet again, may you return home to yourself
1: today.